0: Section fifteen of the Wounded Name by D.K. Broster. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Eileen. Chapter six, Part two. Four. He raised his head at last. Through the apple boughs, the stars peered, laughing, and there was, as there should be, the fairy boat of the young moon, low in the west. It was indeed a night for her to come to him, as any moment now she might come. She, too, should look at the stars between the lattice roof of Blossoms, Blossom and Star herself. And nothing between them any more. And that evil shadow which had made a mockery of her life gone forever. Amag could scarcely believe it yet, but his heart so ached with the almost intolerable joy of the thought that the strange sweet pain seemed to seal it as true. He reached up to the tree under which he stood and broke off a little bough with its pink-flushed blossoms, pale now in the starlight. The branch was tough. He had to tug at it, and as he tugged he felt something give round his left arm. He knew what it was, that absurd talisman of his. He put the apple blossom to his face and kissed it, as he would kiss a boy when he gave it to her. But perhaps these moments, and still more, those that were coming, were worth, after all, their heavy toll of endurance and restraint, the meetings that were only pain, the partings whose full sorrow might not be tasted, the enforced absences, the perpetual struggle to be content with a little for fear of losing all. But struggle was over now, and he could lay at her feet a heart as clean as his sword. The peacock's jarring note roused him, and he remembered that the jactier was broken on his arm. A void should weave him a new one, but not to-night. Early in the morning he would get rushes from the river, and before he rode away she should plait him another bracelet and fasten it on. If indeed it were necessary to continue this farce nowadays, He never had to show that he carried on his person the earnest of his good fortune and his prestige. But he must not let the broken charm be found. And, putting down the apple blossom, he shook the twist of rushes down his sleeve and drew it out. How strange that it had broken like that when it had survived much more strenuous doings. He was fingering it when he became aware of galloping hoofs in the distance his heart galloped, too. A boy at last. No, it was a single horse, a saddle horse, and it was coming along the little used bridle path that led by the river and almost past the orchard where he was. Well, who on earth could it be? He went across the orchard and vaulted the gate, and saw that the horseman, riding as a tired and heavy man rides, had abandoned the path and was making for the same point. We oh, must be coming to the chateau. Must know the way well, too. Oh, who is it? Aimar called out. Oh, is that you, La Cochiterie? Returned a voice full of relief. Oh, thank God! Thank God! I did not know you were at Cesine. I've brought the most terrible news. Oh, wait a moment. He climbed stiffly out of the saddle. It was the Marquis de Vobagnier, a neighbour and old friend of the family, a voice godfather, in fact. He now came up to the young man, wrenched out of his ecstasy of a moment ago into what he imagined to be tidings of some military mishap, and said, oh, "'Your cousin of Loy is in the hands of the Bonapartists at Saint-Que-Seck, and "'Oh, my God, I can hardly believe it yet. "'They intend to shoot her tomorrow morning.' How nonsense, said Aimard sharply, but the world went black. Impossible, he repeated after a moment. Marquis, you are dreaming. What in heaven's name should they do that for? And because you allowed her to obtain that information for you, retorted the old man, tears in his voice. And because they suspect her, unjustly this time. They have her in custody at the Cheval Blanc, just outside Saint-Quazec. They will do it. I've seen their colonel. Have you not heard about Marie Lazare? Aimard stood in the starlight, as if he had been shot himself, so still that the old Marquis, wringing his hands, exclaimed, Oh, good God, man, can't you speak? There's no time to rule-gather. And find me some place to sit down. I'm dead with fatigue. If what you tell me is true, said Amar in a very quiet voice, I will go and give myself up in her place, of course. But I must know a little more first. He opened the orchard gate. Come up to the seat in the rose garden. I will not take you into the house. There's no need to tell my grandmother and in the rose garden, sitting on a stone bench, and to the accompaniment of the discordant cries of the peacock, incoherently but convincingly, the Marquis de Vaubarnier told his tale. He had been out riding when he heard that a lady travelling with her maid had been detained by the imperialist troops near Saint-Gouazec. The replies to his queries convinced him that the lady in question was Madame de Villecresne, of whose recent journey he was aware, and becoming very uneasy, because, as he confessed, he could not help wondering if they knew of her former exploit at Chalais, He went to the Cheval Blanc, where she was detained, and succeeded in seeing the senior officer there. The Bonapartist's curtness and obvious unwillingness to speak of the matter alarmed the nervous old man still more, and when the officer began, in his turn, "'to question him about the lady. "'His chief desire was to get away, "'lest, as he said now, "'how I should let slip something indiscreet about her. "'And then, La Gaucheterie, "'just as I was going to mount, "'a young officer who had been in the room "'came up to me and said, very gravely, "'It does not matter what questions you answer, "'or do not answer, monsieur, "'about that unfortunate lady.' Nothing can make any difference now. When I asked him what, in Heaven's name, he meant, he said in a very low voice, looking as I could see, as if he could hardly bring himself to tell me. Her fate is fixed, and she cannot be allowed to go free. We know too much about her. And when, God help me, I still did not take in the full horror of what he was saying to me, he whispered, "'Oh, another Marie Lassage! then, Imag, I did understand, "'and I frantically caught his arm "'and said I would go back instantly "'and see their commander again. "'And the young man said, "'How useless! "'We, his officers, have all remonstrated. "'Yet we have not quite given up hope, "'though one must say that, "'but for a miracle, "'she will be shot tomorrow morning. "'A spy is a spy,' "'even though she be of noble birth. "'And then, hardly knowing what I did, "'I said I must see her at once. "'But he declared that it was out of the question, "'and that he himself would be cashiered "'if it was known that he had even told me about it, "'and that all I could do for her now "'was to go home and pray. "'So I did not see the child. "'I came straight here, "'riding as I have not ridden for twenty years.' and at least you are here. A had stood rigid before him, his hands gripping each other behind his back. Now he said thickly, "Emaki, it must be a mistake. Oh, whose mistake? asked the old man. Oh, not mine. I wish it were. I tell you the colonel's manner was most sinister, and when that young officer held my stirrup for me, "'I saw the tears in his eyes. "'But perhaps it is not a voy at all. "'They spoke of her by name. "'Besides, I saw her carriage in the yard, one of yours. "'But, but it is an incredible thing to do,' "'said Aimar, as one speaking in a nightmare. Oh, "'That is what everybody said about Marie Lassage. "'But they did it. "'Oh, Avoy, my little Avoy!' he began to break down. Loisola walked away to the sundial. When, after a few moments, the old man followed him there, Imar was slowly tracing out the figures on its metal plate, cold with dew. "'What are you doing, Lagoschiteki?' he exclaimed, seizing him by the shoulder. "'It is your fault that she is in danger. There is no time to lose. Think of something, for pity's sake!' "'Oh, for pity's sake, be quiet, then,' flashed out the young man. "'How oh, cannot you see that I am trying to think of some way? "'And do you suppose that I do not want to save her a thousand times more than you do, "'and that I would not give every drop of blood in my body to spare her a pinprick, "'and that I would not get on your horse this instant and ride to saint Sec and give myself up, if I could?' The passion in his voice silenced the Marquis de Vaubernier and he went off to the other side of the lawn. And a voice lover, his elbows on the sundial, his clenched fists pressed to his head, was fighting hard against the almost overwhelming impulse to do what he had said. Fighting because it did not seem to him consistent with his honour and his obligations. Was he not bound to Dutremblay by their joint scheme? More his, indeed, in conception than the others' did he not know that his own men were useless for any enterprise requiring forethought without his leadership, and that de knew nothing of the fresh arrangements, and that without seeing him it would be very difficult to ensure his grasping his part in them. No, if he surrendered himself to this Colonel Richard, as he longed to do, and though for him it would only mean prison and inactivity, for of shooting him there could be no question, He was making the enemy a present not only of himself, but of a small yet valuable force as well, stultifying his comrade's plans. In short, deserting his post. And yet it would have been so sure, so easy, to have him, Loiseleur, in their hands, and they would certainly open the door of the cage to any woman, were she ten times a spy. But if honour forbade him to surrender himself, what could he do instead, and try to rescue her? Almost impossible, single-handed. None of the servants would be of any use. If he had ever known, or a couple of his best men. But even the Chouan who had brought de Fresnes's letter had gone back. The blood leapt to Aymar's face. Why, he had the way to save Avoy in his very hands, after all. He had only to utilize the scheme almost completed that noon with Saint-Étienne, almost entered upon on his own initiative when he found de Fresnes' news. He had only to strike a bargain before the information, the letter, was given up, and the very fact that he now had a bargain to strike lent infinitely more color to the genuineness of the whole affair. In fact, a voice danger gave him the pretext which had been wanting, he might not only save her, but snatch also the military success which had so tempted him. Had he not already contemplated the sending of that letter with nothing but that success to gain by it? And, since Saint-Étienne and his regiment were so much nearer pont aux than the Bonapartists were, there was no more risk than before. If he sent the letter at once, from Sessignes, "'he still had ample time to ride back to the Abbe Dog "'and complete the arrangements. "'He snatched his subordinate's letter out of his pocket. Vaubernier, of course, must take it. "'He could not. "'The striking of the bargain, no easy task, "'must be entrusted to that agitated old gentleman. "'But, indeed, there was no help for it. "'His very agitation ought at least to convince the imperialist commander of the genuineness of the motive behind the sending of the information. And though the scheme was less sure than the one he longed to adopt, that of paying for his love's freedom with his own, yet if this colonel Richard should suspect the existence of a trap somewhere, so long as he was ignorant of Saint-Étienne's presence at Caravine, he could not possibly know in what the trap consisted and surely the chance, however much he recognized it to be merely a chance, of crushing a very obnoxious enemy, was worth more than the gratification of shooting a woman. With a letter in his hand, Loiselaug looked across the dim garden at Vaubernier, considering what instructions he should give him, in order to convince Colonel Richard. And then it slid into his mind, more than a little dizzied, by the violent transition from rapture to horror, and that he was going deliberately to commit the very act, on account of which he had a few hours earlier rejected an alluring scheme. He was sending the letter himself. In other words, he was about to sell information, and information about his own men, in order to save a kinswoman's life. At least that was how his action would appear to Colonel Richard, how he must pray, indeed, that it would appear. The spring night seemed suddenly very cold. Was he really going to lay at an enemy's feet, the most precious thing he had, his untarnished honour? For a voice's sake, yes, until the day came. When the imperialists fell into the joint trap prepared for them, he would be abundantly cleared. He went over the lawn. Monsieur de Vaubarnier, do you mind what figure you cut in this business? Not but what I am reserving the least reputable for myself. With a voice life at stake, said the Marquis tremulously. No, you can make of me what you will. Aymar looked hard at him. Obviously, it would really be more convincing that Vaubernier should pretend to have stolen the letter from him, or something of the kind, and should affect to be the person really responsible. No, in spite of his willingness, he could not let him brand himself as a traitor, an old man like that, for the ensuing military coup would hardly clear him, who had no part in it, as it would Loiseleur. I only want you to be an intermediary, he said firmly. I propose, Maki, that you shall strike a bargain with Colonel Richard for my cousin's safety with this letter, which contains important information about the movements of my force to-morrow. It is a letter which I have only just received from my second-in-command. You must assure Colonel Richard that it is genuine, that you have had it straight from me, and... "'If he wishes to know how I could bring myself to do such a thing, "'you must lay stress on the fact that Madame de Villecresne is my cousin. "'You must not give him the letter till he promises to let Avoy go. "'It would be better if you could contrive not to interview him with it, aren't you? "'But I do not ask you to take any responsibility. "'All that rests on me. "'You are merely a go-between.' "'I understand,' said the old gentleman.' And I understand, also, of course, that you intend... You had better understand nothing of the kind, Put in a quickly. Colonel Richard will question you. You must know nothing, nothing, but that I am horribly concerned for Madame de Villecresne's safety, which God knows is true enough. And you will be prepared to swear that the information is genuine, for I have told you so, on the word of a gentleman. And even as he said it, he wondered how much faith Colonel Richard, when he got that letter, would put in the word of a man who could send it. And perhaps you had better not know even what is in it, he went on, looking down at it. Indeed, unless one strikes a light, you cannot see. I think that I will seal it up. I can get into the house without being seen. He went through the open window of the dining-room, and lit a candle on the writing-table there. But first he read the letter through again, and realized that time and place, and a little besides, were unintelligible, because they were in cipher. If the letter was to be of any use as a bribe, he must with his own hand decipher these passages. Aunt Aymar hesitated, and penetrated through and through with a horrible apparent significance of what he was doing. But it was only apparent, it was only a ruse. And, if he could help it, Avoy should never know the means he was employing to save her. No more than he himself would she like the sound of it. Vobagnier must, if possible, make it a part of the bargain that she should not be told the reason for her release. He must not even see her in person, lest she should guess some connection with him, a and almost more than from Avoy, must what he had done for Avoy be kept from his grandmother, who considered already, as he knew, and that his cousin had spoiled his life. It was for that reason, not to spare Madame de la Gaucheterie's sensibilities, that he hoped even Avoy's danger might not reach her ears. It was just conceivable that Avoy herself, on her return, might keep it from her. If she did not return, Oh, but that was unthinkable. Unthinkable or no, that nightmare thought had him in his grip as he hastily wrote in the words above the cipher. Then he sealed up the letter again with his own seal and went back into the garden to deliver it to his messenger. A sans tache, he said to himself as he went. Oh, avoy, my darling! Ah, here you are at last, Said his grandmother, laying down her book. "'I was just thinking how delightful it must be "'to be young and not to dread the dew. "'But I fear that we shall not welcome a voy to-night now.' "'No, I do not think that she will come to-night,' "'answered A. without looking at her. "'And if she does, I shall not see her, "'for I must rejoin my men without a moment's delay. "'I've come to take leave of you, Gormag. Hirondelle is at the door." Oh, "What!" exclaimed Madame de la Rochetieri, "is there anything wrong?" But she saw in an instant that there was-at least that he was holding down some very strong emotion, and he was in uniform again. "I hope not-not if I go back at once." "Good bye, mad. He took her hand and lifted it to his cold lips. "But, Emma," she said. "'Roused to real concern. "'You've been in the saddle all day. "'You ate no supper. "'You cannot ride straight back to the Bois de Fauvet. "'You will kill yourself. Oh, I trust not to go as far as that,' he answered. "'When when Avoy comes, tell her I had to go.' "'Oh, that is a pity,' said the old lady, "'suddenly moved with sympathy. "'He looked so horribly pale and drawn. "'Oh, I hope.' Mufi, and that your bad news is unfounded. I hope so, too, said Aimac, and was gone from the room. And when his grandmother, her book on her knee, heard Sakasan's dismal howling in the hall, she knew that he was gone from Sassini altogether. Five. The April night, its scents and caressing breeze, meant little enough to Aimard de la Rocheterie, as Irondel carried him away at a smart pace from Sessigny, and farther from Avoy, too. And that was the hardest thing of all, to ride off and leave his love's fate in the not very capable hands of the Marquis de Vaubagnier. So hard that when the young man had gone a quarter of a mile along the road to Cagaven, he suddenly reined up the bay mare and turned her half round. But no, it was done now. Nothing, not even an appeal from Avoy herself, could make it other than infamous to go back. He had given the lives of his men into Colonel Richard's hands until such time as he himself completed his arrangements with Saint Etienne. Loiselot set his teeth and pushed the mare forward. Waves of agonizing fear for Avoy broke over him every now and then and, if they ebbed, it was only to be succeeded by a cold tide of distaste at what he had done. Oh, if only he could have offered himself in exchange, instead of engaging on this tortuous and insecure path of outwitting the enemy. But to give himself up would not be honourable. It would not really be the beau-gest, of which it might perhaps wear the semblance, even as what he had done instead was not really vile as it appeared. Yet he had branded his own stainless name, though it were but for a few hours. What if the blot did not wash off so easily as he had told himself? A ruse? Yes, but one with a bargain involved. Moreover, he was undoubtedly trying to trick the imperialists into giving him something for nothing. It galled a Marx fastidiousness and that idea. But surely Colonel Richard, a soldier himself, would recognize the proceeding as a move in a game. Aymar had not guaranteed that the Apex would be waiting at pont au for the Bonapartists to snap up. He had only guaranteed that that was what was planned. It was a contest, as the which could outwit the other. If only so much did not depend on how Vaubarnier conducted the negotiations. To ride fast was a relief, yet it surprised Aimar to find how quickly he had covered half the distance back to caravan. It was not yet one o'clock in the morning. All the better. He had met the river again, left it, and was going in the shadow of a wood when he heard a distant shot. And as he pulled up to listen, the thought struck him for the first time. I suppose I fell into an enemy patrol and was captured. What of the Frèresen at pont and then? The idea turned him cold. How could he have been such a fool as to think that there was no risk about this business? Till he was actually at Caravan, the whole scheme, with all his men's lives, rested on his shoulders alone. Nervousness about his own personal safety was a feeling which Éymar de la Rocheterie had never tasted in his life, but he tasted it thenceforward all the way to Caravaine, and it had not a pleasant savour. The spire of the village church, at last, standing up in the light of dawn. He was here, unmolested, and drew his breath more freely. Then he opened his cloak, as he wrote, to show his uniform for the benefit of Saint-Étienne's sentries. But there were no sentries in caravane. So soundly did the village sleep that not a window was raised, as Irondel's hoofs clattered on the cobbles of the place. And for centuries her rider sat there, under the church tower, motionless and asleep himself. Was he not? In some cold and evil dream. Then the clock above him struck the hour of three, and he knew that he had not the fortune to be dreaming. Saint-Étienne's force, on which his whole plan turned, and which was to have been at Caravène till Sunday, had gone. A few minutes later, bending from the saddle, Loiselot was hammering frantically on the door of the abbe dog. A night-capped head, the hosts, came forth from a window, how long has Monsieur de saint regiment been gone? Oh, they left about four o'clock yesterday afternoon, monsieur. A dispatch came ordering them off to Alon, without delay. I'll come down and open the door, Monsieur de la Gaucheterie. Oh, Alon! It was hopeless to contemplate their cooperation at that distance. They had been gone eleven hours. Ordered off not long after its own departure yesterday. Saint Etienne had seemed so certain of remaining. Still a little stunned, Eymar watched Irondelle trying to eat the honeysuckle on the trellis, and thought of the words used in this place only yesterday about the cat and the mouse. Now who was going to be the mouse now? End of section fifteen